La Llorona. You better go to sleep, or she will come and get you. Just about everyone who grew up in a Latino household has heard this phrase, you better go to sleep or La Llorona will come into your room and take you away. Generations of Mexican children have spent their entire childhood afraid of La Llorona, the wailing woman, the cursed spirit of a young woman trapped here on earth for her misdeeds, spending her nights tormenting children. She will come for you if you misbehave, or if you linger too long by the river. So be good little boys and girls if you don't want to meet La Llorona. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters, both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing La Llorona, the weeping woman of the Southwest. This show is a part of the EerieCast podcast network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestion for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. Sophia and her husband Carlos had moved to Hillside, Arizona with their two young sons, Anthony, who was eight, and Angel, who was six, after spending the first 10 years of their marriage in Los Angeles, always working two or three jobs, to save for their dreams of becoming ranchers. And their dreams were about to come true, but shortly would turn into a nightmare. When they finally had enough money saved up, they placed a bid on a 380-acre ranch in Hillside, thinking that it would be one of the first of many failed attempts to obtain their dreams. They were elated when they won the bid. Soon after, the small family were packed and headed to Arizona. Carlos had traveled to see the ranch beforehand, but it was Sophia's first time there. She fell in love with the homestead and the surrounding acreage, and especially the land that came abreast of the Santa Maria River. They settled in and spent most days fixing the place up and mending fences amongst other repairs and improvements. But the best part of the day was late afternoon when they would take the boys, Angel and Anthony, down to the river to relax and play before nightfall. The current in the river in that area could be dangerous in the spring, but in the summer, you could wade out into the water and even do some swimming. It was also a good place to take the boys and teach them a few things about fishing. Today was slightly different than most other days. It was late August and the day had been a hot one. Their work was ending later than usual and Carlos chose to stay and finish up so that Sophia and the boys would not miss their time at the river. It was a perfect place to unwind and end your day. The boys had worked hard that day and had earned a break. When they arrived, 
Sophia threw a quilt down on her usual spot on the grassy riverbed, took off her sandals, and told the boys not to go far and to stay where she could see them. Sophia laid back on the blanket with her palms holding her up and watched them as they were getting ready for a rock-skipping contest. As the contest commenced, Sophia laid back with her head on the blanket and enjoyed the last rays of the sun as it was beginning to lower into the western sky. Fortuitously, she slowly drifted to sleep. She wasn't asleep for what seemed like a long time when she was awoken by an ear-splitting scream. Sophia swiftly made it to her feet, just in time to catch Anthony as he flung his arms around her waist. He was yelling, Mama, she's got Angel, and she's going to drown him. It felt like her heart stopped mid-beat in her chest and was threatening to explode as she frantically scanned the riverbank for any sign of her youngest son. Suddenly, she heard a splash, and the desperate water-choked attempt at screams coming from the direction she had last seen them playing. Regardless of the fact that her feet were still bare, Sophia ran in the direction of the screams, in a way that any terrified mother would if they thought that harm may come to their child. Reaching the edge of the riverbank, she just caught sight of his tiny head sinking into the dark waters. Abandoning all concern for her own safety, Sophia jumps into the water and reaches Angel just in time to grab his tiny hands that were still flailing above him. As she pulled, expecting his small body to reemerge from the water, she was suddenly met with resistance as some other force seemed to be fighting to pull him down. Furiously screaming a prayer to St. Michael, she quickly submerged herself enough to wrap one arm around his small waist. But as her face was just about to touch the water, she saw another face, the glowing face of a woman with dark eyes, staring angrily back at her. Just like in a nightmare, she had no time to think, but just react. It felt like she was gaining no ground, and she was terrified she was going to lose him as she felt her grip begin to slip. But suddenly, as she pulled on her son's struggling little body, he burst free from the water with a loud splashing sound. She ran as best she could with soaked clothes and a soaked child in her arms to put distance between them and whatever she had just seen in the water. She didn't take time to check on him until she got him back to the bank, and there, she only hesitated long enough to make sure he was breathing before she hugged him to her chest and ran to grab Anthony by the hand. She left the blanket and her sandals and did not stop running until they were in the safety of their home. Falling to her knees, Sophia hugged her sons close and cried. Carlos came bursting through the door moments later. His face was white as a sheet. He said he had heard the screams and ran to the river where he searched for her and the children. When he couldn't find them, he decided to go see if they had made it home. He said as he turned to head back, he was stopped by the sound of a woman crying. Turning again to see if the crying woman may be Sophia, his blood ran cold when he saw, standing by the river, a lady dressed all in white, 
Her dress looked to be soaked. She was crying over and over. I, Miss Eos. As Carlos took a step towards her, she quickly turned around and looked his way. He froze. Her face was as white as her dress, but her eyes were dark as were the tears running down from them. He knew then what he was seeing. It was the wailing woman, La Llorona. In an instant, what seemed like a movie in Fast Forward, the woman was standing with her face inches in front of his. And Carlos felt paralyzed with surprise and fear. Before he could even react, she opened her mouth in a ghastly way that is not humanly possible and screamed. It was a scream of pain and of rage. Carlos backed up, stumbled over some rocks, and quickly made the sign of the cross and turned and ran for his life, praying that his family had made it home safe. Sophia decided to put the boys to bed early that night so her and Carlos could talk about what had happened. As she toweled Angel off, she found bruises shaped similar to handprints on his calves and on his waist. She felt a wave of nausea come over her as it began to sink in that what she had seen that evening in the water had been real. Her and Carlos talked later that evening and decided that taking the boys to the river was not safe, and if they were to ever go again, Carlos had to be with them. They both recalled the legend that their parents had warned them about when they were young. They had passed the story down to their boys, not believing that there was any truth to it at all. It had still come in handy to get them to sleep at night. That night, Sophia tossed and turned in the midst of fitful dreams and nightmares, filled with her son's screams and the crying lady in the white dress. This is the last part of the dream that she could remember, and the reason why she will never forget. It was a chilly night with a dark moon, and she was standing by the river bank as fog drifted above the water and slowly made its way up to wrap around her ankles. Eerily, the fog began to part in the middle of the black water, and the moonlight caught a woman, dressed in all white, staring down at the water, crying. Sophia gasps, and the crying suddenly stops, and slowly, the woman turned and looked up at Sophia and said, in a frighteningly demonic voice, My boys are gone, so I will make yours mine. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play 
With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. California once belonged to Mexico, along with what is today Texas and New Mexico, and was referred to as Alta California. In 1821, Mexico won its independence from Spain, and California was one of its provinces. From 1821 until sometime between 1846 and 1848, Mexico ruled over the area. The United States formally annexed the region in 1848. Therefore, it's not surprising that several of Mexico's traditions, legends, and myths are imprinted upon the area. One such tale is the creepy story of La Llorona. As the legend goes, before she was called La Llorona, she was just Maria. She was married and had two children, but her husband was not faithful, and after catching him cheating on her with a younger woman, and prettier woman, which is contrary to some stories that claim Maria is very beautiful herself, she became enraged and took them down to the river where she drowned them to hurt him. Afterwards, either in remorse or in an attempt to save her own children, she jumps into the river herself, also drowning. Some say that in remorse she drowns herself on purpose to be with her boys. It is said that she is not permitted into the afterlife until she can find her children, and so she wanders the river looking for them every night. When she cannot find them, she looks for children to replace them. There are, of course, other similar versions. For example, another version tells of a widow who has two children. She falls in love with a man who did not want any children, and so, after failing to get his attention, the woman tries a last-ditch effort and drowns her children in the river so that he will love her. Of course, the man is mortified by what she has done. She is eventually either hung for her crime or drowns herself in the river. Yet another version again involves a widow with two children, who needed to find a husband in order to support herself and her children. So she spent much of her time away from them, in places where she could meet men, such as saloons. One day she finally met a wealthy man but he only wanted children of his own. So she drowned her sons in the river to gain his favor. Upon finding out what she had done, he was disgusted and turned her away. In her humiliation and eventual grief, she eventually went to the river and drowned herself. And in one more version, she is an evil woman who cheats on her husband and eventually kills her children by drowning them because they kept her from her lover. Again, condemned by God for the sin of murder, she is forced to wander the earth looking for her drowned children. All the versions involve water and the deaths of the woman's children. 
the woman always either kills her own children or gets them killed through her neglect. Naturally, she blames herself for their deaths. She often drowns herself in the same river as the children, and one version being found dead on the river's banks with tears frozen on her face. However, in a few stories she is executed for her heinous crimes. In other stories, they wrap up her loss by refusing her entrance into heaven or the afterlife until she can find her children. And in at least one version, while trying to get into the afterlife, she is tricked by the devil posing as God into killing more children. And now today, she is known as La Llorona, or the Wailing Woman, a dreadful phantom usually of a woman in a long white dress or flowy gown, and sometimes a veil, who wanders near the river, searching for her children. When she has come across, she is often crying or wailing, and asks those who encounter her, ¿Dónde está mis hijos? Or in English, Where are my children? Make sure to keep your own children away from her for often she will mistake them for her own, snatch them up, and upon discovering the truth that they are not her own children, horribly drown them in the closest river, creek, or flooded ditch. Children who disobey their parents are also fair game for La Llorona, as the legend is often used to scare children into avoiding misbehavior. Much like most monstrous legends and demonic ghost stories, she is a herald of death, as those who hear her cries at night are marked for death, dying of mysterious reasons soon after the encounter. Although perhaps you won't die, as some variations say, either you or someone close to you will die within the week. The origin of La Llorona predates colonization and the arrival of the Spaniards in Latin America. La Llorona is tied to both of the Aztec goddess and to one of the ten omens foretelling of the eventual conquest of Mexico. The Aztec Empire was a civilization in central Mexico that thrived in the time before the arrival of the European explorers, during the Age of Exploration. Throughout its history of civilization, the Aztec Empire expanded across much of central Mexico and other surrounding areas to become the most dominant and powerful people in the region. Tenochtitlan, the main Aztec city, was the center of this vast empire. An important aspect of the Aztec understanding of the world was their views on omens. These are events which are said to have three significance on future events or occurrences. For instance, one of the roles of a high priest of the Aztec religion was to interpret significant events to predict their impact on the Huitatluani and the Aztec Empire. This is best exemplified by the series of omens that are related to the Spanish conquest of the Aztec Empire in 1521. La Llorona has been tied to Chuacahuatl, the goddess of childbirth, and Coatlicue, or Serpent Skirt, who is a major deity in the Aztec pantheon and regarded as the Earth Mother Goddess because their similar descriptions in appearance and what they were known for. Omen number six also describes a woman crying for her children 
as she roams the street, except she is crying for the future generations of the Aztecs as their people will eventually be conquered and destroyed. The story we are told now is a colonized version of her story, and one we must know the history of. The legend of La Llorona is traditionally told throughout Hispanic America, including Mexico, Central and South America. La Llorona is sometimes conflated with La Malinche, the Nahua woman who served as Hernan Cortez' interpreter and also bore his son. La Malinche is considered both the mother of the modern Mexico people and a symbol of national treachery for her role in aiding the Spanish. La Llorona clearly has gone mainstream. She even appeared in a Got Milk ad, but the stories are always more scary than funny. The story of La Llorona first appeared on film in 1935's La Llorona, filmed in Mexico. Rene Cardona's 1960 movie La Llorona was also shot in Mexico, as was the 1963 horror film The Curse of the Crying Woman directed by Rafael Baladon. In 2008, Mexican horror film Kilometer 31 is inspired by the legend. Additionally, the early 2000s saw a spate of low-budget movies based on La Llorona, including The River, The Legend of La Llorona, Revenge of La Llorona, and The Curse of La Llorona. The list goes on and on as La Llorona is featured in many more movies, countless books, theater productions, and music. The legend even made its way onto episodes of the TV series Supernatural and Grimm. In more recent times, La Llorona in 2019 was again the star in an American supernatural horror film, directed by Michael Chavez and written by Mickey Daughtry and Tobias Laconis. It was the sixth installment of the Conjuring Universe franchise. A quote from RogerEbert.com is read to say by Monica Castillo, a freelance writer and University of Southern California Annenberg graduate film critic fellow. I may not have grown up with the legend of La Llorona, but I grew up with a healthy respect for superstitions and things that cannot be explained. In a number of Latino communities, some of us give our children a piece of jewelry or an amulet to ward off the evil eye. It can vary from country to country, as the evil eye varies from culture to culture. Mine is a bracelet of black and red beads that my mother bought. Even if you're not a true believer of such things, it's preferable to be safe, better than sorry. The deep history and the reported number of encounters recorded over hundreds of years makes the legend of La Llorona very much hard to ignore. How many children over decades of folklore have fallen asleep, afraid of La Llorona? KISS FM 93.1 in El Paso posted a story on their website kisselpaso.com of an El Pason who claims that he has seen and heard La Llorona multiple times throughout the years. This is how his story goes. La Llorona is said to have been spotted across Mexico, and even across the border into Texas, including El Paso. Legends and haunts abound in the Sun City, with multiple sightings of La Llorona taking place near the old Hacienda restaurant off Pesano, near the border. 
Stories are told that on certain nights the apparition of a woman has been spotted near the restaurant crying out loudly for her children. El Pasión claims that when he was 11 years old, while living in a trailer with his parents, was when he had his first experience. That night, his younger brother was staying over at their aunt's house, and he stayed up to watch Jay Leno alone. He said that while watching the show, he had fallen asleep, with the lights and TV still on. Around 4 a.m., he woke up to the sound of horrible screaming that was coming far off in the distance. The screaming was coming from a ditch that was a few feet away from his home. At first, he thought he was hearing things, or that maybe he was dreaming. Then he started to hear the neighborhood animals howling and whimpering. He said the screaming was nothing like he had ever experienced before. It sounded like it was in a big hallway, and a woman was screaming her guts out from the other end. Then, in all of the screaming, he started to make out words. The words being said by whoever it was at 4 a.m. screaming their guts out shocked him. The woman said, I, mis hijos, oh my children. In a panic, he got off of the sofa and ran to the kitchen, which was right next to where he was asleep. He turned the closet light on and looked around. The screaming didn't stop. He said, in fact, the screaming only got louder and closer. He questioned his sanity at that moment. Then he realized what was happening was real because the animals were responding to the sound. So next, he did what any other 11-year-old boy would do and ran to his parents' room. He shook his mom awake, and as she was waking, the sound was fading. His mom could not hear the screaming and told him to go back to bed and that it was most likely his imagination. You can read El Pasión's other sightings on the radio station's website. Is it okay to scare our children into good behavior? Wouldn't telling a child that a horrible ghost will come and drag them away if they do not go to sleep make it harder to sleep? Well, generations of children have survived these stories unharmed and passed them on to their own children and grandchildren. So maybe it is better to be safe than dead. When I was 10, my parents and I were planning a camping trip. It was going to be just us and my grandparents. We were only staying for the weekend, so we weren't going to pack a lot of things. The day of the trip, I got this heavy pit in my stomach, and I didn't know why. I just shrugged it off, thinking... I was just anxious, because I had never been away from home for that long. As soon as I got to the campsite, I noticed that our camping spot was right next to the river, which I thought would be nice and peaceful. After getting everything set up, and we ate supper, my stomach had settled, and I was having a good time. It was starting to get dark, so we started a campfire and began roasting marshmallows to make s'mores. My grandpa suggested we tell ghost stories, so we all took turns telling silly ones that were made up. Once it was my grandfather's turn, everything got quiet and serious. Have you ever heard of La Llorona? he asked. 
with a stern look and a serious tone. I don't know if I'd ever seen him this serious before. I shook my head no, and then he continued. Vitel has said that she married a rich man and had two children with him, but one day she found out he was seeing another woman, and in a blind rage she drowned her children. But she felt guilt immediately after and jumped in to save them, only to drown herself. He paused for a second. Now, she is to roam the earth forever, in search of her two children. My eyes wide with fear, I stuttered and asked, Have you seen her before? He paused again before answering. Yes, I have. I could feel the chills run down my spine, and that awful pilling in the fit of my stomach returned. But I ignore it, and I kept listening. I was your age when this happened. Everyone had gone to bed except me. I was having trouble sleeping that night, so I was watching TV in the living room. I pulled the blanket I was wrapped in over my head and scooted closer to my mother. She wrapped her arm around me, which made me feel a little safer and then I kept listening. I was just about to go to bed when I heard this distant wailing growing closer and closer. I stood up and ran to my bedroom, and by the time I got to my bed, she sounded like she was right outside of my window. By this point, I was shaking, and my mother said that it might be best if we didn't continue the story and just got some sleep, so that it's exactly what we did. Except... I couldn't go to sleep until what seemed like 3 a.m. in the morning. The next morning after breakfast, we got up and went for a walk around the campgrounds. That way we could get familiar with the layout. The camp was huge and incredibly beautiful. Walking around it made me forget all about the story Grandfather was telling the night before. After walking around the campsite, we returned to our camper my mom and grandma stayed behind to prepare supper while my father, grandfather, and I were going off to try to do some fishing. We fished for what seemed like hours and only caught three fish between all of us. Well, my father and grandfather caught them. I only got a few bites and then they'd swim away. That was okay, though. I didn't like fishing that much. As soon as we got back to the camper, mom and grandma had just finished making supper. After supper, we skipped roasting marshmallows and went straight to bed. But just like last night, I couldn't sleep again. So I decided to sneak outside and go walking along the river that was close to us. I don't know to this day what I was thinking. I guess I wasn't. I found a spot where there were tons of stones, so I stood there and just skipped them. I started to walk back to the camper when I hear slightly in the distance a woman weeping. I turn around, but there's no one there. The sound slowly starts to get closer, and the closer it gets, the more chills that run down my spine. I turn around and start to walk back to my parents' camper. I can hear the woman growing closer as I get closer to the camper. I rush into the camper and quietly shut the door and lock it. I wait a few minutes, and then I turned around and slowly pulled back the curtain. 
I saw a woman dressed in all white and wearing a veil covering her face. She was standing right where I was before. I started hearing her weeping. Is, is that the La Llorona? I think to myself now, starting to get nauseous and getting the cold sweats. I quickly moved to the couch that I had been sleeping on since we got to the camp. I hear the woman's crying get closer and closer until it sounds like she's right in front of the camper door. Finally, after about an hour and a half of hearing her weeping and wailing, I hear it start to distance itself and die off. I waited a few minutes before going and checking to make sure she's gone. I quietly get up and make my way slowly over to the curtains. I pull them back and peek out and take a quick look around. I don't see her, so I quickly go back to the couch and hide under my blanket. What seems like hours pass by before I'm finally able to drift off to sleep. And before I know it, my mom is waking me up to pack up and get ready to head back home. I get up and I rub my eyes. I take a minute to just sit there and process whether what I saw last night was a dream or if I really saw her. But there was no denying that what I saw last night was real. I saw the same woman that my grandfather saw, and I did not like it one bit. I bolt up and out the door of the camper to make my way over to Grandpa, because I know he will be the only one that will believe me. I see him just walking out of the camper when I make my way over to him. He sees me and smiles at me before saying, Good morning, Bubba. How did you sleep? I stop in front of him and take a minute to catch my breath, then I tell him, Well, not that good. I have to tell you something that happened to me last night. His smile faded like he already knew what I was going to say. I think I saw the woman you were talking about the first night we got to camp. La, La Llorona, right? He slowly nods and says, You probably did. Because I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard her weeping like I had when I was a child. She sounded like she had made her way to your camper, like she knew a child was in there. I nodded, and I told him about how I couldn't sleep the night before and decided to go and skip rocks by the river. When I decided to come back to the camper, that's when I heard her. He ponders on it for a few seconds before saying with a slight chuckle, At least we are going home today. I nod my head again and then run back to help my mom pack up our things, and then we head home. I still think about it often to this day. That was the only time I have seen La Llorona, and I hope it will be the last. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, 
such as Darkness Prevails podcast, which has nearly 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as Freaky Folklore explores the modern urban legend of the rake. Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one.